welcome back to Deadhead Space. This is episode 210, Hot Iron and Cold Blood Panel. Guess what? Brennan and I are doing a new thing. Candace is taking over the host spot with our friend Robert P. Otone. Say hello, Robert. Oh, hi. Hello. And just <laughs> for those that are uh, possibly looking at your book now or later, again, did I say your last name right? Otone? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because you and I talked about that before, and you said a lot of people get it wrong. That's why I'm just kind of emphasizing it. Okay. <laughs> I appreciate <Right>. it. <laughs> um, Candace, say hi. Hi. Queen Candace. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> yep. She's she's one of, you know, she's on our show, so she's one of us. And uh, yeah, that's her. She's taking over with Rob. And let's not forget my friend, Brennan LaFaro. Say hello, Brennan. Hello, Brennan. <laughs> Say hello, Patrick. Mm-hmm. What's up? Say hello, Vivian. Vivian Casley. 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 Damn. One, <laughs> so embarrassing. one for two. I know, right? Fired. Awful. Ronald <laughs> Keeley. <laughs> Howdy. Just, I'm just kidding. Robert Kelly. And Drew Huff. Say hello. <laughs> Drew Hi, Huff, Ron. Say, say hello. Uh-huh. Oh, she muted. muted. Gotcha. Drew's on mute. Uh, asked to unmute. Oh shit! Sorry, I asked to unmute when you uh, unmuted. Didn't mean to do it's that. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm taking over now. So the the idea of um, you know, horror westerns are kind of it's big right now. I would say. I mean, it's not like they've gone anywhere. It's always like when people say. Um, Oh, horror is having a moment. Horror is having a moment. And it's like, does that moment ever really go away? Because I feel like we've been having a moment in the genre for about, I don't know, 20 something plus years, basically, you know, 50 years, 60 years. I don't know. But it's Western horror, I feel like has kind of um, it's been a thing that's really um hit the zeitgeist a little bit more i feel like in recent years not that it hasn't been around for a long time or anything um but it's really picking up steam and i'm just curious in terms of like and this is for patrick and you know anybody really who wants to kick in uh but in terms of you know and i know you and i have spoken you're you're a western fan and i am also a western fan val kilmer was robbed for uh tombsday academy award (laughs) should to him um why did you specifically want to do a horror western or or, you know i guess some people would call it a weird western uh anthology like what was the impetus behind that because you and i had a, a lovely phone conversation one night and you kind of outlined your thinking with that but that was a while back that was like a year ago and so i'm curious if um you know, like, what was the thing that made you go, oh, yeah, this could be fun. All this was an accident. <laughs> Good. Good. Because the whole reason I wrote a Western horror was because there was a press open at the time and they closed down. And I had a story and I'm friends with Patrick C. Harrison III. I just gave it a shot. I said, look. You're the first publisher to ever give me feedback, personal feedback. That was like three or four years ago at that point. So it's like four years now. And uh, I asked them if they were doing a Western anthology. Made sense because they kind of specialize in that right now. They said they weren't not only planning to not do that, but not do any anthologies in a while for a while. Um, 
And then I just kind of like bribed him. I said, well, I know that I could get Ed Lee. He's my buddy. And then I could get Joe or you guys could get Joe Lansdale. And um, a few days passed. Uh, he said that they're doing it. Gave me feedback on my story. Said, if we do it, you're in. He edited it. Uh, it happened a few days after that. And um, I just got for some fucking weird reason i got like all the weird luck in the world like pat harrison dropped out didn't have an editor uh jared barbie asked me if i wanted to edit i said okay huh. got to pick who i got to pick <clears throat> um and then i did an open call and i met drew huff that way sarah stegel wiley e young wrote a killer epic story needs to be on the big screen one day and uh uh, who was the fourth Vivian? Holy crap. Yeah, it was Vivian. Wow. Feel, that's amazing. Feel, I'm like I, right here in this square in the corner. No, I know that, but it's weird because I feel like I've been friends with you forever. So I don't, I don't know. Well, we didn't meet though until this. That's the, the I know. thing. We didn't really know one another. And I, I, knew thought I, invited, I legit thought I invited you. That's why I forgot. It was like two so years now, ago. That actually yeah. brings up. An interesting point. So you met Vivian and Drew through an open call, right? So yeah. I guess specifically for Vivian and Drew, uh, and we'll start with Vivian, then we'll go to Drew. Can but... I say one thing real quick about Drew? Yeah. yeah. I thought Drew was a guy because like I, this publisher specifically said, you're not getting any information. We're filtering it through you. Like you're not going to know even their name. And Drew's story, Vivian, Sarah's, Wiley's, I'm like, fuck, we only had two open spots. I want two more. And I like, <laughs> I talked to I talked to publishers into it, so <laughs> I got all four of them. Yeah, so I thought Drew was a dude when I knew her name at first, and then it turns out she wrote a queer horror. I'm like, that's fucking cool, man. Like, I legit loved her story, and it's like the queerest, oddest story I've ever read. <laughs> and she's like the future. Thank you. Yeah, she's like our Clive Barker, whatever that is. I don't know. Okay, I'm done. Uh, sure. Too kind. So, and, you know, again, for, regarding the open call, like, was there, and for Vivian, we'll start with you, was there always, you know, you look at an open call and you're sometimes inspired by the theme or sometimes the theme fits what you normally write, which which was it in this case for you? Um, Actually, the, when the open call first opened for the other publisher, which was Silver Shamrock, um, I really wanted to try my hand at a horror western i'd not done that ever and i want to try different things and push myself and see could i do it so immediately as soon as i heard about it before the call even opened i started writing the story um first i kind of decided what i wanted to write it about and then i just about it took me about a week uh flushed it out wrote it waited for the call submitted it and then shit went down and all hell broke loose and that didn't happen. And so then as time went on and the call was opened up with uh, Death's Head Press and Patrick, and I remember that there was a bunch of shit going on at the time, like, oh, there's only two slots. Oh, don't, no, don't bother. Oh, they're only going to invite their friends. And I'm like, well, fuck that. Like, I'm going to do it anyway. It's why I'm sitting on this story. I mean, might as well take the shot and submit it. And I did. And here we are. So 
that's how that happened for me. Um, I've never written a Western other than one other time, which was not a horror Western. It was for, I don't know if anyone knows the publisher, Gypsum Sound Tales. Yeah, okay. love their stuff. Yep. Um, so the very first time, it was like 2019, they wrote, they wanted um, a bunch of us to collaborate on a Western themed book called Gypsum Sound Trails, ah. which I, they gave us a bunch of the characters and the background, and we had to choose which character we wanted to write about. It could be any of the ones they gave us. And I chose a woman and uh, in a brothel, just so happened. So I had that. Um, and I just went with it. And um, that was the first time I ever, you know, tried that genre. And, and it turned out pretty well. They actually asked me to do it again. And I said no, because they weren't really going to pay me. And I was like, mm, no, at this point. But um, I'm grateful for them. Um, they're very nice people. But uh, yeah, so this is the second time I've written a Western and a horror Western, and it, it was fun. I love I, like uh, I love uh, GST's anthologies. I think they put out nice work. Yeah. Um, Drew, so in your case, you know, I haven't read anything of yours except for this story. So, like, I'm not super familiar, but, like, do you usually... Is, like, horror Western something that you've written before, or was this your first time trying that, or how did that work for you? Well, I live in the driest, most deserty part of Washington. It's um, it's literally like a rain shadow. So I kind of live in the wild west. People don't really know that about Washington, but just full of tumbleweeds, goat heads everywhere. You look outside, it's just dry, dead grass and hills, wild horses, you know, all that stuff. So I'm a little bit biased. I, you know, was born and raised in this area. I really love it, at least, you know, the outside. So, but I'd never tried anything Western themed, even though I kind of knew the vibe, so to speak. When I initially wanted to do something for this short story call, I really was trying to kind of channel the Dark Tower series, which is one of my absolute favorite book series of all time. And I, I was like, okay, I love the gunslinger. I want to try something a little bit more because prior to writing the story, it's very different from my usual style. I'm really like funny. I do a lot of horror comedy. I do a lot of first person point of views. I'm not very used to writing in third person, or at least I wasn't at the time. I, I am now. So it was sort of an experimental thing for me. And I think that's part of the reason why it's so weird and trippy and surreal was because I wasn't really, I'm not used to writing with that much distance, but I mean, I really liked the way it turned out. All right. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I read all of the stories of everybody on the panel this evening and uh, Drew just left. No, I'm just kidding. She's still here. Um <laughs> I was trying to mute and I can't. <laughs> uh, Candace, did you want to jump in with a question? Um, no, I don't have any questions. All right. So, in uh... <laughs> goodness, Robert, goodness. <laughs> I'm from anyway. New York. This is how we roll. <laughs> I know. My... Give me a minute, sir. You two okay. are a funny pair. <laughs> I'm speaking, Patrick. Sorry. Anyway, um, this is for the panel as a whole, but we're going to start with Patrick because it really pertains to you. And then we're going to have everybody else talk about you. 
Oh, okay. So, as the editor, what was that experience like for you being your first time? And for everyone else, what was your experience like working with him as the editor on this? So we'll start with Patrick and then we'll go down the line. It's my third book I've officially edited, but the first two, I don't, I'm a, un, I am uncredited in the first two, um, which is fine. So I just want to put it out there. It wasn't like the first time I edited and uh, I pretty much do that when I beta read, which <laughs> is limited now. <laughs> And I love history, so I my brain just focuses on certain things. Like Brennan wrote "Living Room," and that sounded funny, and I didn't know the answer, so I googled it, and it turns out they were called death rooms until like nineteen oh nine, nineteen nineteen, and they started because that's where people would die. You know, you don't have the luxury to bring it to like a. You know, funeral home, I'm sure some places, but not everywhere. Rural areas, certainly not. And they change it to living room. Because who wants to go to a home where it's like called a death room? Uh, <laughs> Rob raised his hand for audio <laughs> listeners. So, yeah, long story short, I picked I I'm able to pick up not on everything, but like on weird things like this is my specialty. I'm good at this shit. So it's unlike most stuff in my life. So I can I can, you know celebrate that and uh i don't know i don't try to overpower the writer i'm there as you know as you guys know a good editor can suggest suggest things without it feeling like you're fighting with them or you're dealing with a fucking idiot that really doesn't have the comprehension skills of being an editor i'm not naming anyone seriously it just it is what it is it comes with the territory i might be one of those idiots to some so that's my answer I was gonna say, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Good friend, right there. Vivian, what was your experience? Had an idiot editor and paid good money for an idiot editor. You were not an idiot editor, Pat. You were very intelligent. Oh, nice. Kind of. I, uh, I refute that. I refute Brennan, that. take notes, bro. I'm just kidding. I was, I was applauding you. It's it's Vivian that's picking on you. Sorry. Yeah, that's right. And off the rails we go. hey listen uh pure honesty for me i thought it was good i thought the the first thing i thought was holy shit there's a lot of notes (laughs) like the the most notes i think i've ever gotten from any editor that i have worked with um and i've worked with quite a few but they were thorough Mm. and they were thoughtful um and if i didn't agree with something it was easy to communicate with you patrick and um figure out how to finagle, you know, keep my stuff, but also kind of change certain sentences. Or um, I think we got one little, what was it? It was about the guy. uh, You're like, that guy couldn't bite his neck from the back or whatever. I'm like, yes, he could. (laughs) You're like, how do you know? And I'm like, I practiced, like I I practiced on my husband and I made sure it was the truth. And and, and I mean, no, but. (laughs) I just uh, couldn't picture. That's my fault. So you were right. That's why I shut the fuck up and was like, all right, let's go with your thing. <laughs> no, but I, I think um, you said that you've edited three things. Um, I didn't know that. I did think that this was your first time, but it it was great working with you. It really was. Thank you. Um, like I said, your notes were extremely thorough and I didn't have any issues with anything. And like I said, easy to communicate with, totally easy to communicate with. Sometimes that's not always the truth. And I think we all know that. 
some people can be pretty pushy about things. I appreciate it. Yeah, that's a really egotistical douchebag. Um, just my. I'm opinion. not naming anyone. Not naming no, anyone. No, but like, um, <laughs> I'll I'll just I'll add one note because it kind of makes sense, and I've never ever talked about this on air. I just never thought of it. My um, I actually mentioned it on the Ellen Datlow show. Actually, now that I think about it, my aunt, her sister used to work for Little Brown, and my uncle would he okay this is this is a new thing um i never mentioned this because i never think about it but my uncle's a writer too and he's written some killer sci-fi stuff and he got notes from his wife's sister and he showed me the notes and it was all covered in red and i'm like all right that's how you do mm-hmm. it and then later i met this guy in like 2017 2018 this uh this writer in the uk called marcus Sell. He and I clicked super well, still do, but like we co-wrote a story together and he taught me a fuckload. It was like a master class. I didn't have a kid then, so it was easier to dedicate that much more time. But for like a week straight, we go back and forth until we had a short story and it got published with Joe Meinhart with Crystal Lake um, for their Shallow Waters series. And that taught mm. me a lot, too, because he gave me a lot of feedback. So that's why I was so thorough. And he was always easy. He's super easy. He's like a typical Englishman. He's just smart, you know, because of his accent. And <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, nice guy. Easy to deal with. So those are the reasons why I copied that or emulated that. Wait, what? Are you talking about Joe? Joe Meinhardt. You said Joe. Joe Meinhardt. Because I was going to say, like. Oh, because then anytime I've worked with him, he's never, I've never gotten anything back to edit. So I was like, I, I wouldn't know how to judge his editing skills. I've never, no, I mean, I've been that. in the waters, but I didn't, I didn't understand what you were talking about. Mark Cassell was my, we, okay. there's a, okay. there's one book that had co-writers specifically, me and Mark teamed up and his notes, sorry if there's uh confusion. His notes were um, like, f- <laughs> they filled the page. And I was mm. like, whoa, the first time I saw that. So, yeah, I get it. It's jarring at first. That makes sense because it was for me, too. Yeah. Ron, sir, how about you? Well, you know, I've been around a long time. So sure I've been do. around 38, 38 years in this business. And I've worked with a whole lot of editors, you know. And and, and Pat was one of the better ones, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I think... Him and Kenneth Kane are the most thorough editors I've ever worked with. You know, oh, wow. And a lot of people, I guess, because you know I've been around a while, and, and uh, they don't, they kind of maybe they're intimidated. They don't want to touch my work. <laughs> but yeah, I like, I like, I like plenty of suggestions, and and uh, you know, you know, just to mark the crap out of it. You know, just to, you know, because I'm I'm flexible and. and uh, and uh pat was you know pat had some really good suggestions and you know we we worked we worked on it together and uh, of course me and pat we we text each other all the time most every day so me and pat have a good relationship anyway my uh, big bro oh yeah i love you man. personal and professional so. i love everyone in this episode honestly I fucking love all <laughs> you guys especially you there hot glasses talking about rob <laughs> He's doing a dance. Sorry, Ron. Sorry, I'm being a silly bastard. Your guest, please refrain from interrupting. Oh, I'm fired. <laughs> Kick me off. Uh, that's 
That's about all I had to say anyway. So thank you. I Aww. can't blush right now, but I want to. Damn it, Brandon. Candace. Brandon, you sir, how about you, Patrick? <laughs> Brandon, your turn. What was that experience like working with this guy? <laughs> Can you please control him? I mean, you know, I don't mean. I to... mean, I lost his leash. I don't know. <laughs> I'm muting myself. Um. So, I, I, my my experience is probably going to be pretty different because uh, two out of the first three books that I wrote, Slattery Falls and Noose. Uh, went to him before they went to anyone else. And with the first one, it was because, hey, I accidentally wrote a book. I don't know if it's any fucking good. Will you look at it? Um, And he went over it with a fine-tooth comb. And there were a lot of places where, you know, we could tighten up the language and where we could ante up the tension. Um, So when I had this horror Western book, I said, you know, not only do I want to make those same things happen, he's kind of, you know, he, he has a love for history and I have a hate for research. So it seemed like a really good kind of match. Like, Hey, you know, I, I tried my best to get things right. Can you make sure I didn't mess up too bad? Um, and he, you know, to repeat what we've heard so far, the notes very thorough. Um, and there's a lot of, a lot of them can, um, start with words like consider. Um, and I think that's a big one for me that it's a lot of notes come from a humble place where it's, here's what I think, here's what I believe would make the story a little bit better. But if you don't agree, you know, you're the storyteller, you're the person trying to put this together and get it to make sense. And specific to this anthology, you know, I, I'm not sure if he approached my story differently because we had worked together numerous times and because he's not afraid to be like, Hey man, this sentence is fucking terrible. Like, you know, this is this part, uh, and, and he will come with notes that say, you can do better. And, you know, obviously I'm I I know him. I'm not gonna take that the wrong way. And half the time I say, you know what, man, you are right. I can do better. Um, specific to this story, there's a section where the main character is in his uh parlor. I, I went with parlor over death room. Um <laughs> and is hearing kind of like scratching at the floor and it, you know, I was happy with it before, but we found a couple places uh, w- with our back and forth where we could really just up the anxiety factor. And the end result I think came out, you know, way better than the original version that I sent over. So it, it's always been a good experience and I will continue to send him things. If that's a, if that's an endorsement. All right. Um, was that every Drew. 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 Thank you, Brian. Over to Drew. Um, I I really enjoyed it, honestly. Um it was one of the first like real like editing experiences I'd ever had. I this is one of the first short stories I've ever had like published and accepted. Mm-hmm. And I'd had idiot editor before that and that I paid through the nose for. Turned out to be really creepy. It was a whole ball of wax. And so, oh yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. I can tell you all about it. But Why do all my girlfriends get, deal with creeps? Oh, yeah, I fucking yeah. hate it. But getting all of those edits back from Pat and it, the story I had right before that, that was in the It Was All a Dream anthology. It was like, oh, these are what edits are actually supposed to look like. Like, there's, like, actual, like, intelligent, like, oh, 
like there's criticism here. I remember being really nervous because I was like, talking to my mom, I was like, oh shit, I'm going to get these edits back. And this person's like actually going to like critique my work. I don't know. I'm going to take that. Uh, but I actually really liked it. And the stuff I added helps me make it better. Mm-hmm. I especially remember the part with the lice on the skin. Mm-hmm. I thought of that um, because of something you had mentioned. And I was just, I was very pleased. I was very pleased. I don't even remember that specific moment, but that sounds creepy and my skin's crawling. Yeah, gross. Life. (laughs) So, Patrick, would you ever want to edit another one? Yeah, I'm in the (laughs) middle of working on it. Then uh, I already know the answer to that. I was I was being (laughs) facetious. Oh, and then I'm gonna try working on my third one with some friends. I like friends. Mm -hmm. I know you do, (laughs) Robert. Not the show. Over to you, sir. Yeah. So um, sort of, I guess, specifically um, for Mr. Kelly, but in um, in RJ's intro, I love RJ Joseph, by the way, like mm-hmm. adore her. She is teeny tiny and so much fun. Um, she kind of talks about the romanticized nature of the West. And mm-hmm. I'm just curious in terms of like, you know, why do you think it's important to sort of approach that and and maybe not maybe dismantles the wrong word, but maybe take it down just a tiny bit, the sort of romanticized idea of the West. It's not it's not quite lonesome dove. It's more, I guess, tombstone for lack of a better, you know, comparison. Why do you think that's you know, important? Um well, you know, from way back, even during the Old West itself, you know, they they would put out dime novels about, you know, Buffalo Bill and and Wild Bill Hickok, and they just kind of took their their legend and just expanded it and and really made them into like icons and everything. You know, people back in the north, you know, they they knew all about about them and everything. I mean, it was probably vastly overblown and everything but they they really romanticized you know these um these western figures you know that's you know like sheriffs and and uh you know there's like kit carson and uh buffalo bill and all that and so yeah it, i mean even from the very beginning you know it was romanticized and everything uh you know of course when we started you know when they started making films you know it, it was almost sanitized, you know, um, mm-hmm. you know, with, you know, like uh, Gene Autry and Roy Rogers and thing. And then we get um, like into Clint Eastwood and everything and it starts getting really gritty, you know? So that's what, that's what, when I believe the, uh, the Western legend kind of, you know, started to uh, showing its true colors is when, you know, you just take all the polish and the, the fringe jackets and the, the you know the singing cowboys away and and you singing you know the 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 blood and grit and and hardship you know that the west really was i think that um yeah i think it's interesting that it took an italian filmmaker to dismantle the myth of the american west with uh the man with no name trilogy that's pretty interesting um but i think what you said specifically about sheriffs kind of dovetails nicely into a question that i have for brennan um you know, your story kind of deals with the idea of past sins. And like Ron just kind of said, 
you know, we have this romanticized nature of uh, sheriffs and lawmen in the Wild West and stuff like that. But you really go pretty far with your story and strip the idea of um, not so much honor, but more strip away the idea of like the romanticized idea of the sheriff in the Wild West kind of thing. And you really kind of wrote, and I don't know, maybe this was conscious or not. And that's really my question. But was it a conscious idea to write a story specifically dealing with PTSD? Or at least that's to this reader, that story feels like it's about PTSD. I, I don't think it was a free writing conscious choice, but I think it became one, if that makes sense. So the 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 book that I wrote before this story uh, is is called Noose. And it's vaguely referenced. I really tried hard to set out and write a story that was related, but that if you had never touched the book, this story would still stand on its own. And if you never read this story, the book would still stand on its own. Um, but, you know, uh, people who read both would get that little kind of Easter egg reward or whatever. Um, and the idea kind of started out um, as... In, in Noose, we have this outlaw who gets hung, except it doesn't take. Uh, they, they, they hang him, and he just kind of dangles and laughs at him and eventually makes off with it. Get. Oh, I'm so, well, th that's like the no, synopsis. You're okay. You're okay. You're early pages there. Um, so basically, you know, th this kind of stemmed from the thought process of if you know, who was the guy who rounded him up, tried to hang him and basically just completely screwed the pooch on this and what happened to him. And, you know, which leads to the thought of like, well, would that one mess up be enough to um, basically ride him out of town on a rail? And no, this person would have to have a history and that would just be kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. So, yeah, I mean, I definitely think there's this, um, if not PTSD, there's this almost kind of atonement, like, you know, in order to do the job, if we, if we strip the romanticism, if we strip the glamour, like this is a hard job that requires you to kind of do bad things and sacrifice morals and ethics in order to do it effectively, or at least that's the way this person kind of saw it. And when you hang up the hat and when you've moved on, uh, can you live with yourself and, you know, how do you kind of come to terms with, was I right to do those things or, you know, was it not worth it? I suppose. I think it's interesting too. Cause like, it's a, a side of, you know, sort of that idea of like heroism or, or duty or honor or whatever that you don't really see very often, you know, in whether it's in fiction or in film or whatever the case may be, like you don't often get to really sit with like, those decisions that you may or that you know this character or whatever makes and now we're literally living in with your story living in a space where it's all about rationalizing and kind of approaching and, and looking at the decisions that this person made or the, the you know i just found that really uh fascinating and to me like you know again like you read different things into different things i was just it's it's interesting it was really a cool meditation i thought um and certainly different than what i was kind of expecting uh, going into it and i i dug it yeah i, dug it I, I will always um because i you know i've i've written a fair few western stories now um both novels and you know short stories that take place in this little arizona town 
I will always credit Cat uh, Scully with kind of the um, almost genesis. Uh, I remember we had her on and she talked about how interesting it would be to take like, uh, and I think the specific idea she threw out was like a Game of Thrones type setting and say, well, what if we, you know, set a story that didn't necessarily belong in that world, in that world? What if we had like a, a detective story in this medieval world? What if we had a, a serial killer story in this world? And that's kind of how I look at writing. Like we we have this backdrop that's, you know, mysterious and it's set in a time and a place where there were so many unknowns, but it's like, let's let's tell a story that, you know, kind of gives into that atmosphere, but that stand on, stands on its own and almost kind of um, explores another subgenre. I love how they blend genres and create just something that's better than the sum of the whole. Or better than the, oh my God, I'm sorry. I got gotcha. you, some love, of its parts. Yeah, the sum <laughs> of its parts. Thank you, Drew, um, I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. It was so fun to read um, news and also to read the sequel to news, which I can't wait till it gets released and people can see how awesome it is. Yeah. And I appreciated you giving that an early read and uh, offering some very, very, very kind words on it. Uh, Candice, do you have a question? Um, I do, actually. Um. I think this is going to be a general one again for everybody. So we'll just kind of go down the road again. So I read the entire antho back to back because, well, I had to because I blurbed it. And, you know, Patrick (laughs) is my friend. And there's some amazing stories in here. But there's also some very, very creepy moments and nastiness in a lot of these so for all of you as we go along what was one of your favorite parts in your own particular story and also if you have had a chance to read the the anthro through yet was there a part in someone else's story that has kind of stuck with you ever since and if so which story was it so two-parter We'll start with, let's see, let's start with Ron this time, and then we'll go back up. Well, my story is titled uh, The Night of El Maldito, and it's a werewolf story. I wanted to explore the werewolf trope, you know, in a Western setting. Been thinking about it for a while anyway, and uh, it's it's really got some extreme horror elements to it, and uh, um I really don't want to give away too much because the whole premise of the story is not knowing who in the story is the werewolf. So, right. uh, but there is, there is a scene that kind of sticks with me where uh, a man's these, these cowboys are around a campfire and a man's hand rolls out of the darkness into the fire. <laughs> so, so that's just my weird imagination taking off. But, uh, but that was know, one of my favorite parts. <laughs> <laughs> and then afterward, all hell breaks loose. Breaks loose. All right. Um, let's go to Drew. Um, honestly, the moment that I think was the absolute like grossest for me to write was uh, the climax of the story, where they're just um, they're just 
going at it and one of them is not exactly alive. And that was just stomach turning. Um, it's a theme I explore a lot, actually. Well, then on an emotional level, it's like, okay, these two people, they love each other, quote unquote, they've got this bond, but everyone around them is just dying in this gory, lurid way. It's a theme that comes up time and time again. It comes up in Freeburn quite a bit, too. That's my novel. It's this idea that love isn't always really good. It's not always harmless. Just because you love someone doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to be all puppies and sunshine and rainbows. And in mm-hmm. all birds, yes, it's a means of liberation. They're liberating themselves. I mean, they've tried other means besides violence prior to that point. But it's it's pretty gnarly. It's pretty gnarly. Yeah. I'd have to agree. It was a bit much even for me and I, I tend to write a lot of extreme horror so um <laughs> well done <laughs> Vivian my dear how about you ma'am oh um okay this is a two-parter correct yep. um I don't want to give too much away about my story either um but I think my favorite thing about writing it was the dialogue I really enjoyed writing dialogue I and yeah. because that is how I get to know my characters so that is that's just my absolute favorite thing, especially this, because I it's kind of hard to write. You know, you want to get it kind of correct. You're mm-hmm. in a different time period. You don't want them to be like, hey, oh, my gosh, like I mean, that wouldn't make any sense. <laughs> so, you know, trying to figure out that was kind of a thing on its own. And I was reading. Um, I had a thing up when I was writing with Western slang and lingo and language and. And that's how I did that. So that was my favorite thing about writing the story. And my story is my dialogue. I feel like it shines. That's my opinion. You know, it's um, a true opinion, though. It's a correct yeah. one. Yeah. If if I had to say, I have not read anyone else's story yet. Okay. I am a I only read when I have the physical copy. That's how I am with pretty much every single thing I read. Um, yeah. I know it's weird. I know everyone has their Kindles and their yeah. but that's how I am. So as soon as I get the copy. I'll be on it right away. In fact, I just finished Brennan Slattery Falls. I just finished that, which I loved it. I liked it. I love supernatural yeah, horror. Yeah. So I know that's getting away from our Western, but I just want to tell Brennan, I liked it. I was like, <laughs> I don't know. It. Well, thank you, Vivian. It, <laughs> Brennan. Uh, oh, my turn? Ma'am, were you done? I'm so sorry. I'm done. Okay. I'm done. Brennan, your turn, sir. Uh, without going, all right. So, um, actually I'm going to add my voice to the choir of people who, uh, initially wrote this story for that silver shamrock anthology, which as opposed to being weird Western was more geared towards splatterpunk. And I sat, I sat down to write it and I said, I don't write splatterpunk, but what, what the hell I'll give it a go. Um, and there's, uh, a part in this story called holes where the holes come into play. Um, and there's a character called Rennie and that part, um, that messes with me. I did at one point kind of pitch this story as a mix of the telltale heart and Stephen King's the raft. Um, and it would be the, uh, it it would be the latter that we're looking at there. Um, Mm -hmm. as far as other stories, um, I'm going to go around the table here. I really liked uh, there is a moment in Patrick's story where he just kind of goes for it. And 
there's an unexpected but, outcome. Yeah, yeah Drew, I, I knew you were going yeah, there. Sorry, I still have to come here. People know what we're talking about. I've complimented yep. Pat on this. Like, a lot yep. of writers would not have gone there. I applaud him 100%. It made That's me so cool hearing you say that. Thank you, guys. Yep. Vivian, um, I think you're absolutely dead on about the dialogue. I think you did a very nice job with that. But what uh, and what he sticks out also to me about yours besides the dialogue is it's just it's it's gruesome. And it's just like I'm reading it and like my shoulders are shimmying and like I'm I'm squirming in my seats. And, you know, that's not the type of reader I am. But you pulled that off. Uh, Ron, I, I absolutely love the way that you, um, oh my, I don't, I don't know if I want to say this. I don't know if it's a spoiler, but it connects to another work of yours that I really, really enjoy. You kind of name dropped in there and I got like fanboy excited. Um, I thought that was really cool. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of bad about sticking my stuff in other <laughs> other stories that's fine it's fine it's like what what's the point of building up a body of work if you don't um and uh drew i thought yours just had um a bout of originality to it that um of the bulk of the stories in the anthology this is one that if we're going in and we're looking to read you know a, a collection of western stories this is not the one we expect but it's got this heart to it. It's uh, it's got that gruesomeness to it without being too over the top so that, you know, you made me squirm like Vivian did. Um, but, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's very original and unique as well. And there's uh, a lot of world building in there and I would be interested oh, to see you. if you're going to end up back, you know, in that. I was actually just about to say that I'm kind of between projects right now and I'm like, oh, maybe I'll just take the story and turn it into a novel or something. I, I thank you so much. I'm, I'm just here to I'm make done. everyone. <laughs> Patrick. Yeah. Do you have a moment other than the one we're already talking about? That was the one I was going to I pick. know that moment quite well, well. I'll just say as a parent, I heard Stephen Graham Jones in a recent interview with Tanana Reeve do and uh, her husband, Stephen Barnes. And uh, Stephen Graham Jones said, in one way or another, I think every story is about a father and a son relationship. And it's kind of hard for me to super not avoid that even more now because I have a second son. And um, I, if that scene, if that happened to me, um, I'm pretty sure my psyche would crack and I'd be labeled insane for the rest of my life. You can't come back from that. Right. That's crazy. That's crazy. Like, okay. uh, just, just stop. Just collapse. Yeah. I don't, uh, I don't yeah. The rest of the story. Besides that, there's two. There's that one scene where, and this doesn't spoil it. She um, blasts a hole with. She's a pioneer woman, isolated in her wintry Montana prairie, and. uh she at one point blasts this hole through a bear's skull. That's fucking crazy. That that was just like crazy shit to me. I'm like, that probably wouldn't happen, but this is a story. Let's make it like just stretch the truth a little bit. And then the last was when Con Constance Glass just stops in this field and sees <laughs> sees what everything's being taken from her. 
And like, that's the worst kind of horror. If you were to experience it, like what's worse death where you might go to hell or you might go to something else or not dying and just having everything you care about taken away from you. I would rather have the first. So all that to say as a parent, that's all my like worst fears that came out in a, um, airy, weird, fucked up story. <laughs> yeah. Really gnarly. So part two, cause I yeah. know you've read all the stories. A so lot of times. Favorite mo- <laughs> moment or moments from some of the others. I want to do what Brennan did. Um, start with Brennan with him his voice is very unique and i know his influences and it's like he's attributed or maybe not attributed he's he's like joined in the dna of his writing body with those authors but he puts his own spin on it and i think that's a really cool thing that's the neat thing about knowing him so well so i don't know if that answers that story whole specifically but that's that's what I loved about it. It just had this guy I love, my my big bro, and I'm seeing what is in his head. And that's cool as fuck. Like, you know, you can't really do that any other way besides like music and other art forms. Sure. So yeah. Vivian's was awesome. She's great with dialogue, but this one scene where this um infected guy comes down the hall of this brothel and then all hell broke loose, like it was hard to read her dialogue specifically in the sense of like, I'm an editor. I can't just read through it. So she wrote so well. <laughs> she wrote so well. That I was like, damn it. <laughs> it's hard to edit this right now. So that's what I loved about hers. Ron. I'm like, Brian, I'm really close with Ron, but with him and guys like Joe Lansdale or even, you know, Casey Lansdale, I'm sorry, but I fanboy when I, talk to peter straub and his wife and i talk a little bit still now it's weird because i'm like i love you guys so that's why i feel like with ron i didn't hold back my notes but i was nervous as all hell because (laughs) because i love him i know he's not gonna we're not gonna like break up our friendship over a disagreement on a on a note but um, I think you have i think you have five notes in the whole story which well you're really good i mean Really good at writing. Compared to you know, like somebody like Kenneth Kane, I'll get like two dozen, two or three dozen. You know, so, and we've 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 butted heads before, but uh, not with you. You you know, you had some good suggestions, and and I I you know I used them in the story. So I'll throw out my first draft with edits is my first draft will probably have a lot, or well, if it has a few, it's just it's not nitpicking on the way someone would talk or whatever tautology i'm always going to be like no you can't have that and that's what mark cassell taught me too which is you know um she looked with her eyes like you want that gun she tasted with her mouth like that's just bad writing for a final draft (laughs) so that was really the only thing where i would like be gun-ho about but with ron i can't say the scene his favorite of his stories also mine it's wild and with drew probably the end where no that's not true actually the first scene there's a lot because it's just her her imagery is really it matches her artwork which is just 
she's as good as an artist okay. as she is a writer, by the way. I'm not kissing <laughs> ass. She really is. She's got to do a comic book like the Sandman. But my favorite scene is probably the opener. I don't think this is spoiling it. It's a woman with almost kind of like our skin um, with a bird in her torso. And men visit her and uh, and feed the birds. And that's fucking weird to think about. But that scene, like, <laughs> I, it blew me away. I'm like, this is her brain. I love her brain already. I I thought it was a dude as a Drew, but when I was it, told, oh, I get that all the time. I think I know. it's the way I write. It's a little more massive. no, not not the way you write specifically. Your name Drew. I I don't know many Drews who are um female. It was named after my dad, believe it or not. That's cool. Um, but yeah, so the first like I wanted to write something that was almost like big, epic, kind of folklorish, and that it was, was like. Was. like was kind of sitting at my laptop and that was the first sentence that came to me it was you know she had sparrows writhing in her guts or something it was like but you know it was a little it came in that almost exactly the way it is on the paper and kind of that weird poetic sometimes that's the way it just comes up for me you know and i just like went yep. from there i was like okay all right nailed it for real yeah so Going back to Deantho as a whole, not only do we have all of you amazing folks in here, we have Joe Lansdale, we have David Scott, we have Wiley Young, we have Ed Lee, we have Joe Karate, um, Al coming back. There are some incredible authors in here. So, Patrick, again, I'm going to ask one more time, even though it's kind of the same question, but not. What was it like working with all of them and being able to get their stories and and reading through them and just having that communication with them as you put all of this into an anthology? Kind of you, forgot how I wanted to word that, but I think you know what I was Yeah, I got what you're saying. Uh, Three of them were easy because I didn't touch them. They were reissues. Only three non-original stories in there, um, which I didn't know Ed Lee's and uh, Joe Lansdale's was. I thought they were originals, um, but I didn't care because like, I love those guys. So I was like, I don't give a fuck. I get to pick, so fuck it. I pick them. And then David Scout, that was a weird situation only because both the first set of publishers and then the new team kind of went to me and this isn't a knock at them at all. It, it was just a new experience for me. Um, I kind of negotiated shit too, back and forth, like legit with David Scouse. I didn't negotiate the price. I just kind of was the middleman for the emails. And it was, um, that was weird. I'm like, pretty sure this is what an editor does, but fuck it. Let's see what happens. And I got lucky. I'll go back. I was nervous as shit to ask him. And I was nervous as fuck to give him notes because I was like, I don't want to make this guy not like me. He's and, so uh, great, though. He is. He's such awesome. Such a nice guy. Yeah. Real sweetheart. And he is such a good writer. And he writes for Marvel, yeah. too. That's so yeah. cool. And then Ron, by the way, he didn't mention this, but he has written um, a Western before under a. Uh, a pseudonym which uh was pretty he wrote for two two novels that's pretty cool man that was out in the early 90s right 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I ghost wrote for the Jake Logan series. Uh, <laughs> uh, a, a couple of them. And, you know, of course, Jake Logan was like a uh, uh, a male uh, adult in a western, and and you had to put several sex scenes in it. You, you can imagine me writing sex scenes, you know, <laughs> I can. <laughs> I was laughing because I remember you said something about keep the horse in the barn. You couldn't. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah no, they no would one, give you they would give you this manual that told you what you could put in and what you couldn't put in. So, well, is that a uh, euphemism? I I don't know. No, no. I mean, I mean, into the book, into the book, into the story. Got it. <laughs> also, if it comes out of Vivian, it's probably a euphemism. <laughs> <laughs> I read I read his memoir. It was in the memoir. He said yeah. they. Um, yeah. They couldn't. They they didn't want him to write anything where you know the horses were involved or anything. I'm like, well, thank God. You know? <laughs> Nobody wants that. Well, you didn't Unless mention the other livestock. I'll stop on that, <laughs> Robert. Sir, <laughs> back to you. Yeah. Um, so Drew, you were sort of touching on your story um, earlier, and you know, the, a lot of authors kind of blend like this exquisite way of writing with some horrific you know uh imagery and stuff like that but i'll i'll be totally candid i think you do it better than any of the other ones that i've ever read oh thank you i'm really Um, flattered yeah um that story really knocked me uh and i'm just curious about you know in marrying those two uh ideas like the exquisite with the vile like (laughs) you know what is something that you would tell a newer writer wanting to try that? Like what is the okay. headspace and what is, you know, what is something that you think could people could get from something like that? I'm like so excited to talk about this because I, so for me, the number one rule of the prose is always write what the character would think because I tend to go very deep in my point of views. So when I wrote Freeburn, which is very deep to the point of view of this young-ish dude who's not, you know, the brightest bulb in the box, it was really frustrating because I wanted to, you know, really go nuts with my prose and like, do you know what you've seen, what I can do? And it, it, it was just like, he has the vocabulary of like a five-year-old. I'm just, I'm going to do my best. So when I wrote my next thing and I wrote the story, I was going nuts on the prose because it, I could. I could actually like experiment with the rhythm. I could put in, you know, nicer words. I could do all of that. And so for me, while I was working on my projects every single day, I would warm up and I would start, um, I would learn some new words from the dictionary just to make sure my vocabulary was sharp. I would take like these Scrabble tiles and I would, you know, do a few rounds where I was making them into words. And I was just doing that to keep the brain working every day. And then in addition to that, I use a lot of poetic devices in my prose so that it sounds really nice when it's read. Things like assonance, which is similar sounding vowels like geese and cheese, for instance. Alliteration a little bit because too much is kind of weird. And I kind of just, I think um, my new editor for Freeburn, like who's super great, I really like him, he called it vibes-based grammar, which I definitely agree with. I'm just like, you know, a comma goes here. If there's need to, you know, if there's like a pause, if there isn't, I'm just going to leave it be. Um, 
Yeah, I, if I were advising anyone, I would definitely say to research poetic devices, like poetic things, and just try to incorporate those into your prose. And also like work at it every single day, keep your brain sharp. I kind of let myself slip a little bit as of late and I'm really feeling that. I'm like, oh, my prose has gotten a little stale. <laughs> so. Awesome. That's a... Uh... <laughs> An excellent. That's exactly what I was hoping you would say something like that. So good. Um, I'm going to turn it to Vivian, if I may, Candice. Yes, yes, sir. Um, Absolutely. So Vivian, there's, you know, zombies in the Wild West kind of thing. Like we, you know, it's always a recipe for deliciousness. But what I especially appreciated about your story is you it, it wasn't just that it was in some ways, you know, it was a traditional zombie story. It was less like, oh, you know, a bite will turn you into whatever. It was more like, no, 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 this is like powder, potion, like the traditional, almost like magical, um, you know, version of zombie. And it was super, and I don't even want to say zombie, but like super refreshing to see. And I'm just curious, you know, taking the roots sort of the you know the roots of the zombie uh concept and bringing it to the wild wild west like why you know what was your thinking and going into that like what made you decide like we're gonna go traditional we're gonna go real old school with these zombies that it's going to be uh you know a concoction little serpent in the rainbow type shit (laughs) what made you want to do that um honestly uh, first of all, I love zombies. I know that they're overplayed and it's been done so many times, but come on, zombies. Like that's, it's not even, is it really a zombie story? It kind of is. Like you said, it's kind of magical. But honestly, I was really trying to touch on what women went through um, in the Old West. Again, I don't want to give too much away, but um, back then, women really did have to take pills or powders or have, mm, I don't want to say too much botched abortions basically um, in order to keep working. That's what a lot of women did back then. It was kind of what they did. Um, And if they got pregnant, they had to find a way to get rid of it. That was safe. Um, And the powder idea I was reading about, um, what women did back then and they actually did take some sort of powders or things like that and um i don't know that's where it came from it honestly honestly it just came out of my brain i honestly don't have a deeper reasoning other than i like zombies and i like gore and i really just wanted to touch on what women went through back then that's honestly as simple as that that's that's where it came from it just i have a weird brain i don't and i like old school horror like i love old school horror so I just wanted to combine those two things with um, with my story. That and I don't know. Well, it worked well. <laughs> I thought it was great. <laughs> For sure. I, I'm, I'm just trying to figure out how do I answer that because uh, I, I don't I don't know how to answer that question really. I just I just sat down to write the story. I liked the idea of it, and I like zombies. I don't know. That's how it came out. I don't know. Sorry, I'm not more of a magical answerer. I don't have anything. That, <laughs> everyone, can't, everyone can't be drew it's, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know how to, I, I just don't, I don't know. It just came out the way it came out. And I like 
old school horror and it worked. So that's what happened. We call that storytelling. Solid job. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Look at this sassy son of a bitch. Yeah. Doesn't all have to come up. from doesn't have to come from anywhere special every time. <laughs> you know, like you just gotta yeah. like your shit, you know. I like yeah, that just, it was like just the story. It was a I mean, like it was a really good story, yeah. but it wasn't like hammering you over the head with the moral uh like I, I, I enjoyed it. It was super fun. And even it even plays with the idea of like how competitive it would have had to have been back then with rival um right you know, i don't know what you want to call them brothels but um yeah i like that too i like that a lot actually <laughs> that was one of my favorite parts and, I, and you never think of it it's always like well right. there's one down there and there's one over there <laughs> and I, I was just watching gangs of new york today and i know that's obviously not the same time period or whatever but like i was thinking about that today like oh these guys are fighting over this one stupid plot of land and how difficult would it have been to be a boomtown with multiple brothels, multiple bars, multiple everything? Right. Um, it's just really fascinating. But um, I have essentially one more question for the whole group. So uh, I guess, you know, Candace, if you want to take one or two and then I'll throw this one out or no. You can ask yours. Okay. And then I'll... So we kind of talked about it i guess a little bit at the beginning that the idea of like uh you know western weird westerns horror westerns and stuff like that are really having a you know a time right now and it's very exciting and it's cool to see because you know again it's not something that you see every every day um where do you see this trend going and you know there's rumblings of pirate horror being the next thing and i'm just i'm always i'm not like a, a trend chasing person like with my <laughs> with my writing so like Same. but i like to i observe them and i'm just like ah that's the natural next step so the natural next step to me seems pirates but um and that's what i've heard but like i'm just curious what everybody thinks is the case let's start with mr kelly what do you think might be a trend that's down coming down the pipe a little bit there um uh... I'd like to see a lot more uh, like crime and nor type horror, you know. And uh, yeah, I've been kind of considering doing something like that myself. And and uh, you know, I you know I, I I still you know I of course I write in several different subgenres like southern horror and and I, I do do western horror. I've got uh, my Saga of Dead Eye series. I'm, I'm working on book number three right now. So, so, um, you know, it, Western horror's been around quite a, a while. I mean, in the 1990s, when I was writing in the 1990s, you know, you had like Joe Lansdale had um, the Magic Wagon and uh, Dead in the West, and then they had the um, Razored Saddles anthology, which was really big, and then. Western horror went away, and then it came back with the, you know, the uh, Death's Head Press books, you know, and and you know, I, I think it'll do Western horror do good for quite a while and everything, and may go away for a while, but you know, it'll come back. You know, uh, most subgenres like that do. You know. Uh, let's go to Patrick. David Scow's stories from Razored Saddles. Um, it uh that's another one man it's about a pol the poltergeist of dinosaurs in the old west so what was the question 
by the way. <laughs> what's the next trend? What's the next trend in horror? So if like, let's say Western's having a moment now, what's going to have a moment next? What do you think as editor and as uh, somebody who studies the genre? I don't know if it'll be pirate specifically. And this isn't a hope of Capo, but I think whatever it is, none of us might be able to guess accurately, but it will be something that is cyclical because we retell the same few stories just in different lenses, man. Um, so might be pirates it might not be historical i don't know how you predict that shit i my brain ain't wired that way but whatever it is we've heard the stories and now it's our time to kind of twist them how we want i like that uh drew okay um honestly western is gonna if you want my very blunt opinion western is going to continue to thrive and we're really going to start seeing this resurgence in eco horror Anything that's post-apocalyptic that deals with the crumbling of civilization. I kind of went over this in another podcast, but if you want to look at horror, you got to look at the cultural zeitgeist. Right now, all of our systems and everything is starting to really crumble in a way that I think is most people haven't really seen since, I don't know, like maybe the 1930s. And most of those people that lived through the 30s and the Great Depression, I mean, they're dead those people, they were used to the idea that the systems might be crumbling, civilization might kind of be decaying, you have to take care of yourself. Ever since like the, you know, the end of the Great Depression, we have had, I would say, a more robust civilization, more robust social safety nets. And now in the last 20 years, we have really been seeing those decline just across the board. And so I actually think that's why we're seeing the resurgence of the Western, because the Western primarily deals with what do men do when there's no civilization? Apocalyptic stories. And I actually think we might see a little bit of a resurgence of zombie stories, too, because the best stories, you know, best zombie tales are fundamentally like Westerns. It's about the collapse and the absence of civilization. Cultures, if you want to know about a culture, look at what it's scared of. Look at the myths and stories. Native American cultures, not all of them, but a lot of them had something similar to the Wendigo, which was, I mean, when you look at their society, everyone needed to contribute. Everyone, it was very collectivistic. So they were scared of something that's so selfish and cannibalistic, this idea that a human being could warp itself into a monster. That's basically what a Wendigo is. It's look at Godzilla in Japan, you started seeing all of these kaiju and these atomic monsters come out after they had that bombing and, you know, after we bombed them in World War II. It was this visceral response to the damage of radiation and us realizing that we had opened Pandora's box. I also think we might start seeing, I really hope we don't, but we might start seeing a bit of a comeback of the nuclear horror of the 80s too, depending on how things tense things get. It's one of the reasons why I like horror so much and why I write in the genre, because the things that come up are really just a reflection of where we are culturally. Love that. Um, great answer. Uh, Brennan, you're up. Um, well, first of all, I'm so glad that Ron finally pitched Deadeye, because if he didn't do it soon, I was going to. Um, <laughs> he's got the first two books out, book three coming soon. and It's a great, great series. Um, and I'm also mm -hmm. glad that you went to Drew before me because my answer was going to be go to Drew. <laughs> um, <laughs> I got I got to hear her uh, talk on the Killer Mediums podcast, and um, 
give an answer that was like the one that you just heard um, with, you know, some elaboration on this, on this front. Um, and, you know, I'll, I'll go out on a, a walk at five thirty six in the morning and here I am listening to Drew give that answer and I'm practically applauding and waking the damn neighborhood. Um, it's a great <laughs> answer and she's absolutely right on. Um, as far as, you know, what's next, yeah, you know, Patrick said this might be a cop-out. I'll say this is absolutely cop-out. I have no idea. But whatever it is, I do think we're going to keep kind of Westerns in mind. I don't think they're going to, you know, even if they fade a little bit, they're not going anywhere. And I think beyond, you know, uh, Drew's answer, which I love, I think that a big part of it is this is our mythology. You know, we don't have as long a history as European countries, as African countries, as South American countries even. And the kind of fabled Wild West, whether you put the romantic glitz on it or not, um, that's the, our tall tales are our mythology. And we're always going to come back to tales like that. And it just fits so nicely with horror because um, <clears throat> excuse me, all these people set out West and they didn't know what the hell was there. Um, there could have been vampires, there could have been Wendigos, there could have been uh, Bigfoots and all all manner of things. And when you tell stories that are happening to the west of this like Eastern, uh, you know, 1776 civilization, uh, the unknown is your absolute greatest uh, ally. And yeah, it, it works nicely in that kind of like you know, Western dramatic lonesome dove, lonesome dove fashion, but it's just, it's tailor made for horror. I mean, whether or not even, you know, look at, um, Joe Lansdale's paradise sky, which is for all intents and purposes, a straightforward Western. It's got so many elements of horror because it doesn't shy away from, uh, what was really happening and the way that people treated each other based on ethnicity, skin color, and, uh, just the fact that the the laws were nitty gritty and loosely applied. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily think it's going anywhere, even if it's not right at the forefront all the time. Vivian, you're up. Oh, oh, oh. after all that, well, it's a panel. You have to <laughs> hear from you. This is how uh, this works, guys. <laughs> Everybody's got to talk. <laughs> um, I think as far as trends go, I'm kind of the same as you as where I don't really follow them. Um, but I do agree with Drew. I do think, look at the current climate. Uh, I think I don't think Westerns are going to go anywhere necessarily. I keep seeing a lot of different calls for that. Um, and also... It also kind of seems like the uh, gothic, sexy horror is a thing, too. I see that as a trend. Um, I do think political horror might be a, a new trend that might pop up. I think anything political, like uh, apocalyptic, like Drew was saying, I think that's going to be a big thing that's that's probably going to be coming up, or if it's not already a thing. And uh, what Ron said, I agree that true, like the true crime, the noir type or I love it. I've dabbled in it. I have stories. Um, and I have quite a few in my own collection that I'm trying to get published. But um, I do think that that's where horror right now is, is heading. But especially political. I think a lot of 
politics is going to is, is going to play a big role in a lot of upcoming horror. whether it's uh like an over like a foreshadowing type thing in stories or a main point i think that that's going to be big that's that's just what i think but i don't follow too many trends i just don't know nothing so. would make me happier than to see what ron said come to pass <laughs> with with true crime detective horror more more yeah, like yeah. Uh, more like come with me by ronald malfi more of those mm -hmm. more of those please please yeah, please, yeah. please you know pour that all over me i want to feel it but if, uh, I, if, if yeah. i may partially kind of answer that question question too um i actually think you're all right but to expand on that i think it's like um fashion right everything comes back around everything mm -hmm. comes back around and i think where we are right now in the horror world is a very interesting spot because we have a lot more diversity and inclusive voices out here now that are telling their own tales of our past and their own history and their own cultures and their own point of view and they're injecting the, their, their own lifestyles into the wild west and into the crime stories and into the zombie stories and we're getting a whole new crop of stories that have never been told in quite this way before that have never had this spin on them before sure it might be a zombie story but now we have so many diverse vo voices that it's going to be a zombie story that you've never even thought of. It's I, I, I just think that we're in a prime spot now to just hear so many fresh takes on the old tropes, as well as the new stuff that is out there, like the post-apocalyptic and the eco-horror and the body horror stuff happening right now and the climate change and American folklore and Indian folklore and all those different things that have made us what we are. But now we get to hear it from all of those points of view, not just one. And I think that's great. So that's where I'm at with it. And I just... I'm here for all of it because I think where we are right now is just absolutely amazing. And there's a whole crop of authors that are out now and there's more of us every day and we're taking all those old <laughs> things and we're putting our own spin on it. And I think it's just absolutely amazing. So, well, I mean, look at get out. That's one of the Jordan Peele. He took right? like that same story we've seen invasion of the body snatchers. Yeah. And beauty lens and it was yeah. like i love get out it's um oh my dream is to have uh it's like i hope jordan peele does something with the zombie mythos because that that was from the caribbean islands that was yeah. like black yeah yeah it, looking at it from the zombie uh, looking at it from that point of view it has a whole different meaning it does and it's it's about a different kind of horror Horror changes depending on like what lens you're viewing it from. I, right. I think it's great. I just hope there's like more creature features too. Where are all the creatures? 
I like to write creatures. I got some coming. I just finished one. I also have something. I got to read that. You're good. It'll be out next month. I've been told it's good. I think it's good. Well, I wrote about a mutated uh, bubblegum monster. So hopefully that uh, gets picked up. Well, I want to read that. (laughs) I'm all in. Me too. That sounds awesome. Sounds delicious. Well, I submitted just a short wave. So let's see what happens. All right. You know, you never know. Keep us posted because when it's out, I need to read it. So (laughs) if it ever comes out. You never know. You know well, how this it will goes. eventually. It will eventually because if there you get a no, that just means there's a yes waiting somewhere else. That is true. That there's is true. never a no. There's never a if. It's when. It's not an if. It's always a when. I agree. Change that perspective. You know. Yeah. Robert, sir, where are we? How are we on time? And do you got one more? I don't have any more questions at all. I'm spent. You're spent. It's been a long day. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I guess I will take the reins now because, you know, it's what I do. So I guess we're going to end this with our final thoughts. And we'll start with Patrick on that one. My final thoughts are I'm very appreciative of all of you. And anyone that said a nice thing about the book or even picked it up and thought about reading it. That's cool. Um, you know, I, I've, uh, been working at this for a decade and it's all worth it. You know, uh, it takes a while to, some people get quick, but it takes a while to kind of get here. At least it did for me. And I love it because look, I already said it. I love you all. You guys, everyone that is in the anthology is an honor to work with. And I don't know. It's, it's, it's really just all that shit. Friendships is so much, um, better when you have not great friends like from when you were growing up you know um so yeah i'm just rambling now it, mm. it's fun <laughs> the rewards Patrick, are awesome not, yeah not to interrupt but could you talk a little bit about the cover and your final thoughts oh yeah i was blown away by that robert samellen uh that's s-a-m-m-e-l-i-n i believe he his artwork is insanely good uh steve wands of dead sky publishing showed me it and I was like, wow, that's cool. <laughs> that guy's talented as shit. Yeah, I was blown away. Um, a cover is worth everything. Because if you don't have a great one and it looks like, you know, your blind cat did it, it's probably not going to sell anything. And then if you have a <laughs> professional one and whatever you think that version is, that's it's probably going to sell some copies. Um, I think the boobs are going to sell it. The owl tits, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cool. <laughs> I, you know what's funny? I didn't even notice boobs on the cover. Come on. Somebody on Twitter pointed it out. <laughs> didn't notice them at all. And I was like, where am I looking? Like, where, where are you talking about? And then it's I was like, skeleton. oh, yeah, okay. I, I'm jealous of those boobs. I'm jealous of them. I'm, you know, you know, a man drew that, though, right? You know? Yeah, Robert's a man. So, yeah, that's and true. That's accurate. Drew, they, they, never. Um, you know. Brennan. Final thoughts, bud. Uh, to to Candace and Rob first. First, I mean, Candace, we knew you could uh, host the hell out of the show. Uh, Rob, thanks for for showing up and uh, lending a hand. You 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 got charisma for days, and uh, as soon as we threw your name out here, I knew you'd be a great fit, man. And hey, look, you proved it right. Oh, um, you're too kind. 
Yeah, man. And I hope we uh, get to meet up next month. Uh, Vivian, Ra- Ronald, and uh, and Drew, um, fabulous stories. Thanks for coming on. And uh, appreciate you all and love all your writing. That's all I got. Vivian, ma'am. Um, I just want to say thank you to everyone. This is very awkward for me. It's really the first time I've done a podcast. So I wish that I could have answered things uh, a bit more eloquently. I think I just not knowing what I was going to be asked. And I just feel awkward. I don't know where to look. I'm like googly eyed. Like, do I look here? Do I look at myself? You know, I don't want to talk about myself too much because it feels weird. But anyways, I just want to thank Candace and and Robert and Patrick and Brennan and Ron, everybody just thank you and thank you for this opportunity this was fun um I hope I get to meet all of you at some point um really that's that's all I have to say this was just a really great experience this is a, also a big learning experience at all of it the 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 writing process the this I feel so awkward again very awkward for me You're on fine. This <laughs> I just don't know where to look. I think that's the main thing. Look at me. You know? Look at me. Okay. Just, just I don't know what to do with my hands. Stare at yeah. no, look at look, look totally, past Candace. <laughs> just look at me. Look past Candace and look at, just at Edgar Allan Poe. Look at Poe back here. You don't know yeah. how to be anybody else. Like in person, I'm a totally different person. It's like this on fire rapid <laughs> fucking answers. But this shit, I'm like. I don't know what to do. I don't know what they're going to ask me. I don't know. If it helps you at all, I'm not comfortable with this yet either. And I've been doing these a year. And you started with Scow. I knew I had to do this. Out of of everybody. They're like, hey, you're going to interview David Scow. And I'm like, okay. I didn't didn't know that he was. I didn't know that Scow was going to be like, hey, can I get a signed copy from you? Like, I didn't didn't know that. That was cool as hell. He's great. Yeah, Mr. Kelly, sir, final thoughts. Uh, well, you know, I've done several of these with Pat and Brendan. You know, uh, glad to be back, and it's always fun to to do these panel discussions. And I'm really, I'm really pumped about this anthology. It's it's a it's a high profile anthology. I mean, we we have anthologies come out, and some do very well, some kind of fade, you know, to the into the sunset, but. But uh, this is this one's been building for quite a while, and it's got a, a lot of great writers in it, a lot of great fiction, uh, one hell of an editor, and so Thanks, uh, so I'm I'm really proud to be in this this anthology. Fantastic, and Miss Huff, how about you? You muted, huh? Thank you. <laughs> I, I'm just like so excited for this anthology. I've been excited for a really long time. Like I remember this time almost last year showing like everyone the cover when the cover came out. I was like, mom, look at this. Look at this. I'm in a book. Look at this. It's so cool. <laughs> um, yeah, I just like this has just been so great. And I just am so grateful to be in this anthology. And I'm really grateful that my story was included. Same. Fantastic. She's so nice too. Like she's like, Mom, look. I'm like, Mom, look at these boobs. <laughs> totally different spectrums here. <laughs> What'd your mom think of the boobs, Vivian? Uh, <laughs> she, thought were, she thought they were great. Right? Big great. fan. Yeah. Right. It was nice. If you don't mind, I want to jump in one more time and uh talk about you know, the boobs. I don't want to talk about the boobs. I'm trying to be serious. Can you please let me be serious. Um, <laughs> no, uh this, you know, 
Patrick has been so unbelievably supportive. I'm glad I got to talk um, about how he kind of helped me bring my first book to fruition and told me, hey, man, this might actually be good enough to send to somebody. So to see him get, you know, a book out there with his name on the front cover and, you know, we were texting earlier and I said, hey, man, here's a here's a post your book, you know, with your book, with your name on the cover is in a, you know, brick and mortar bookstore. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Um, so Thanks, I'm, I'm so pleased to see him here and, you know, to to know the work that he put into this. Uh, and the way he, the, the blood, sweat and tears he put into bringing this damn thing to life. Uh, congratulations, man. This is yours. Yeah. Thank you guys. That means a lot. Yes, yeah. sir. It was a journey. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a, it's a rewarding journey when, you know, like you heard what Vivian said, like she learned a lot during the, you know, like anytime an author gets anything out of an experience, it's valuable. You know, um, so it's nice to hear. It sounds, you know, it's a rewarding thing for everybody. It's a rewarding thing for you, Patrick, and everybody involved if they get something out of it, you know, other than a paycheck. Yeah. It's which is always nice. Yeah. It's not even really about that, is it anymore? It's it's meeting all of you and all these new people you get to speak to and just such an amazing learning experience, really. Yeah. I that's how every project should be. Pick up something from everything you do. Agreed. Agreed. And if you get a paycheck, I mean, I'll take it. (laughs) Look who's in it for the money, you son of a bitch. Somebody was going to say it. I'll fucking take the rap there. (laughs) But if you only think about that, though, then I don't think we would get very far in writing. Because think about it. Think about how hard it is to even get to a spot to get paid. May I just say that Brennan's a slut for money? And with that, Robert, sir, your final thoughts. You know, there's um, I, I'm not I don't read a lot of anthologies anymore. Um, and a lot of the times it's the same people over and over in every single anthology. And I'll be honest with you, a lot of them don't even move the needle for me. There are quite a few stories in this anthology that have moved the needle for me. And um, it's definitely worth picking up. And it's really an excellent effort from everybody. And it's, you know, like I said, if I didn't already have it, I would, well, I'll probably still buy one. What the hell? <laughs> I'll buy one. Uh, but it is quite good. It's very good. And again, you know, anthologies are a dime a dozen. And there's a lot, there's some new voices in here that people really should familiarize themselves with because uh, you're going to be seeing them all over the place within the next couple of years or I'm now. I'm great. Damn. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> Candace, final thoughts. Back. Yeah, I guess I'll answer my own question, shall I? Um, final thoughts. This has been great, first of all. Um, Robert, of course, thank you for helping me co-host because I get awkward and uncomfortable and dark and disturbed and, oh, okay, that's enough. Anyway, Patrick, (laughs) huge congrats on this. Um, thank you. Proud of you. Um, honored to have been asked to blurb it. There are some really great stories in here. I don't think I could pick a favorite out of the bunch. I would, it would, 
take me a while if I had to pick one. I at this point I don't think I could. There there are some fantastic stories in this. And the forward alone is phenomenal. I just, you know, I wish you all the best with this one. It's been great having you all on and being able to take over the show. I've been wanting to do that for a year. So thank you for that. <laughs> and it's been great getting to talk to all of you guys, even though I know most of you and working with Drew now and Vivian and Ron there is my number one fan. So, I mean, this is this has been great. <laughs> <Got that right. laughs> thank you to you all for your time, your stories, your words, and just, you know, helping make this come true. So it, it's been great. And I'm done for the night. So Patrick, take it away or Robert and go ahead and close it out or whatever we're going to do here because we're done. Ooh. All right. Well, I have a date with uh, some z and other medications to Me put too. my ass down for the night. Uh, so... <laughs> Patrick, if you want to say adios for everybody, that would be cool. And and set us off on the dusty trail yes. that might have some blood on it and some holes and some broads with birds in their stomachs and maybe some <laughs> traditional zombies and perhaps a werewolf or two. Maybe an owl with some boobs. There you go. An owl with some boobs that I didn't even notice on the cover because I'm an idiot. <laughs> I, like, I like the boobs. Boobs are great. They are great. I like boobs. I got them. I like them. I like boobs. <laughs> All right. I, I'm illustrating Freeburn, and that it's literally just like boobs, serial killer boobs. So I yes, I can't even talk. Serial right killer. Now. Boobs. I can't wait to see all these boobs. If just you boobs. ever need any help, I can draw some really good boobs. Thank serial you, killer <laughs> boobs should be like I can draw a lot of great anatomy. People would pay for that. Killer shit. anatomy. I've studied all the anatomy. Really, that's going to be the blurb. On that book, I'm just letting you know, serial killer boobs. That that's just it. Please it's ask me. A million copies. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you know, you, yeah, you can I haven't shown these to Rob yet. I don't know how he's going to react. That's going to be. <laughs> it's going to be positive. That might be the next story I write. Why it killer Not you, Rob. Not you on the podcast. Killer boobs. That's going to be it. Boobs that kill. I'm so doing it. Is... It's gonna happen. That's not I'm joking. Like boobs that all in. You. Mm -hmm. All in, Vivian. I'm all in. Doing it. This has boobs been episode two ten. Not sure what two eleven will be. Can't. Oh yeah, it's Richard Chismar. We're gonna be talking about becoming the boogeyman. And for people that have listened for a while, Richard's uh, was it uh, chasing the boogeyman? That just blew us away. This is a sequel. It's pretty. It's a pretty good book. So. Stick around for that. Robert, Candace, thank you so much. Drew, Ron, Vivian, Brennan, thank you so much for being here as well. And you, listener, viewer. Thank you. Thanks for picking this podcast. Uh, you got many choices. I fucked that up. That's the boobs. end. Close boobs. enough. Boobs. boobs. <laughs> Just say boobs. 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 Uh,